A Christmas prayer from St. Augustine. Let the just rejoice, for their justifier is born. Let the sick and infirm rejoice, for their Savior is born. Let the captives rejoice, for their Redeemer is born. Let slaves rejoice, for their master is born. Let free ones rejoice, for their liberator is born. And let all Christians rejoice, for Jesus Christ is born. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Ray and I were once at a Christmas party celebrating and thanking the faithful volunteers of this particular organization uh, that we were sharing this event with. And the, the leader of the organization stood at one point in the, in the time together and uh, asked us to go from table to table sharing our favorite Christmas memory. And I looked around and there were about 50 people in the room and most of them were over the age of 80. And I thought, will I get home tonight? Will we get through this? I was a little worried. I shouldn't have been. It was the best part of the evening. Some were funny, some were serious. Uh, the first person, or one of the first people to stand up, uh, told a funny story. She said her favorite Christmas memory uh, was pretty much her only Christmas memory of significance, and it was the time when she went walking through her neighborhood and saw one of those Charlie Brown Christmas trees. You know those? that lean over a little bit and they have the one red ball on them and uh, we have a couple of those we love those trees i don't know if they're out this year but we do love those trees and she saw one on a front porch and so naturally she stole it and took it home <laughs> and she said that's my favorite christmas memory <laughs> the most serious note one gentleman after considerable effort stood up and shared his favorite memory. And he began by saying, the Christmas memory I'd like to share is the one when I was in Foxhall. And then he suddenly stopped, just like that, unable to continue. And after about 30 seconds, he just sat down. And there really wasn't any need to say more. We got the message. What other time of year can you talk about turning a foxhole into a glorious, life-changing experience? When it was another gentleman's turn, he didn't even look around. He kept his head down. He was very shy. He was very soft-spoken, so the room froze in order to listen to him. You could hear a whisper. Indeed, he was whispering for the most part. And he told the story of how, when he was a young child, he was in a Christmas nativity play. You've probably participated in those. And he was one of the shepherds. And as you know, the shepherds have a very limited role. They don't say much. They're just there, for the most part. And when it was time for the shepherds to gather around the manger, he knelt there, just like everyone else, and others... Uh, read Luke 2 and 
saying carols. And then he said to us, very slowly, at that moment, somehow, I just knew I was there with him. And that was all Dave said. We talk about Christmas miracles, Christmas magic. Maybe that's it. It's amazing how almost globally the idea of magic at Christmas has perpetuated itself for hundreds of years. We talk about it as this elusive something or other that we all want, we don't have, and we aren't even sure what to look for. But we know intuitively, in spite of everything we see to the contrary, that all the trees and the snow and the stockings, that's not really what we're after in our heart of hearts. Hallmark has made untold billions of dollars producing cheesy movies with roughly the same plot. There's some magical turn of events resulting in the beautiful people living happily ever after. How did this happen? And everyone knows nothing about these movies is real. Because we're not really after that. We don't want in our hearts some cheap, pseudo-magical Christmas spirit, but rather in the inexpressible depths of our souls, we long for something that will set this crooked world straight. Something that can turn a foxhole into a home. And the powerful, unexpected, even life-transforming encounter right there in a the children's play. We need something. We want it. We want that thing that will resolve all of those contradictions that we inherently feel about ourselves and certainly about this broken world we live in. Think about the contradictions in our own existence. No one in this room chose to be born. We were brought into this world against our will. We gradually discovered our existence and now we just stumble along trying to make the most of it. We didn't even choose to be who we are as people, at least in the sense of all the raw material. Now, I've made innumerable choices that have resulted in the person you see in front of you, and so have you. But all of those choices that I've made have been dependent on realities that are firmly outside of my control. I decide to do anything based on inclinations and core values that were given to me by my genetic material, my God-given spirit, and infinite choices made by others who historically preceded me. Now we'd all like to think that we're the captains of our own ship, but to admit that our very existence is completely outside of our hands is to admit something profoundly troubling. It suggests that if this existence is in need of some Christmas miracle or Christmas magic, 
it certainly won't come from us. It won't come from the sort of people who are themselves hopelessly floating through space, unable to do anything about it. Let's admit it. We are specks of dust, living on a speck of dust, alive for barely a few seconds, and we didn't choose any of it, nor can we make much sense of it all. And that's not even to mention, what do we do about all the horrors in our world? Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a little overly cynical and dark on this Christmas Eve. I mean, we're not that bad, are we? It is amazing what this human race has been able to accomplish. It truly is. My mind is blown constantly. Do you know, we can see, I don't know if you know this, we can see, observe, with our own eyes, galaxies so far away that their light has been traveling since the very beginning of the material universe and is only just now reaching us. They've been traveling at light speed, and they have just come into view. That's how far away they are. Does that blow your mind? Apparently, I'm the only one who's blown away by this. It's incredible. And we can see that. We have developed the technology and the science to be able to observe something like that. Unreal. We've discovered that time is relative. It's not the same everywhere. We know now that space itself can bend and that our universe had a beginning and that it's headed towards some kind of crunch or heat-related event that would end it. At least that's what the science tells us. And we have the brains and the energy and the gumption and the determination to discover all of that. We've done it. And these observations are astounding. And we're the only species in this world to accomplish it. Human beings are extraordinary. So isn't it quite the contradiction that if we can do all of that and we cannot control our own destiny, we cannot bring ourselves in the world, we are dependent on everyone else for even who we are, and we certainly, certainly cannot escape our own death. Life really isn't fair in some ways. It would be helpful if we had a solution, some sort of pill. Science should really step it up, and quickly. Many of us are aging. We need something that would halt the decay of life with death as its end. What could it be? We stepped into the world of AI. Where will that take us? Hmm. I saw a headline recently that treatment, maybe you saw this, treatment to extend the life of dogs has been approved for experimentation. Do you see that? Isn't that exciting news? For those of us who love our dogs, if you're waiting for yours to pass on, maybe not so exciting. What will we concoct that will save us? Oh, everyone's trying. Everyone is trying. 
in my day job. I'm right now working with a company that has been founded by incredibly wealthy people that is designed for life extension. They are figuring out ways to keep people living to at least 150 years old. They already exist. What will save us? St. Luke seems to think that what we need more than anything else to solve the contradictions we feel about ourselves and the horrors that we know in the world is an angel, a virgin, and a baby. Well, there you go. Of course he does. What else would be the solution for the injustice of our own existence? What else would set the world right besides an ancient, adolescent, peasant girl being told by some kind of supernatural creature that God is going to touch her womb, she'll become impregnated, not by a man, but by God himself. She will carry that baby to term, and she will give birth to the Son of God. Of course this is the answer. To everything. And Luke seems to think it's exactly what we all need. I can tell by looking at you. You are educated, scientifically astute human beings who are the sorts of people clever enough to see those faraway galaxies. So Luke should really stop insulting us with this nonsense. But listen again, one more time, to this story. Luke is claiming something from outside of our world. A miracle. A mountain. It's a miracle that completely bypasses the normal course of events. And what we need to get us out of this morass in which we find ourselves is something from outside the normal course of events. Something from outside of ourselves if we're going to escape our predicament. And Luke says it has come. It has come to us from the world out there and precisely that miracle has taken place in the womb of Mary, and we call it Christmas. Incarnation. God in flesh as a human being to rescue us. That's the true Christmas magic. It's not the warm feeling of the fire while snow quietly falls or finding one's true love in a rural town in America. It's not even given a bit of extra to the nonprofits before the end of the tax year. What other hope could there be for a world that's trapped in its own cycle of birth, existence, and death? Nothing within a world that's subject to death could produce anything that would overcome death and all of its contradictions. It must come from the outside. Otherworldly, something miraculous that would arrive and set right all that's wrong. Science can't produce the pill because the pill is also subject to decay and death. Yes, 
In the normal course of events, virgins don't have babies. Unless God steps in and decides to get involved. Yes, death is a tragic injustice unless the one who created the world decides to personally intervene. And in another sign that this little vignette in Luke 1 is turning the world on its head, Gabriel, the one whom tradition tells us guarded the gates to Eden after Adam and Eve were expelled, has now come back at this moment to give this miraculous news. Everything about this story in Luke screams that this and only this is precisely what we really need. And there is a sense in which anything less than the Incarnation, anything less than God showing up to take care of us for this horror-filled world would be unjust. What kind of God would he be if he left his own creatures in such a mess? But he hasn't. He's come to earth with love, not with condemnation. He's pulled us out of the dilemma and the unfairness of this existence, and he has given us life, full life, eternal life, found in that baby who became that man. If you spent a lifetime ignoring God, this announcement from Gabriel is for you. If you're grasping for control of your life and you feel your fingers slipping just a bit, the Christmas message is for you. We're looking here, inside, internally, all around you, everywhere you can see. What's the next thing that will get me by? What will save me? What will give me the good life? And Luke said, comes from outside this world. You're looking in the wrong place. Look here. Look at this baby. Look at this virgin. If you've grown up hearing this story every year, maybe every week, and it sounds less and less convincing to your modern mind, Gabriel is asking you to listen again. Careful. God has come in human form. The only hope of making any sense of this life has arrived through miraculous, otherworldly means. And his arrival isn't the end of the story. At 33 years of age, Jesus took on all the horrors humanity could muster in his own body, and he died on the cross. But his death wasn't the end. And he walked out of the grave three days later. Young people, your teachers and professors will do their best to convince you that the hope of the world is inside of you. Or within some political movement. Or whatever new thing is out there. They will construct their very best arguments to get you to look inside the world 
for the kind of Christian ma Christmas magic that will set the world right. But you won't find it there. What if our deepest Christmas longings really are found right here in Luke? An angel, a virgin, 